You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, episode 61. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so, Valerie, are you enjoying the summer? Uh, <laughs> yes. I love the summer here in Washington. It's been gorgeous with the trees and the, and the hiking and the water and our new dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we discovered our dog is a, actually a real dog. Uh, he likes to fetch. He likes to swim. Uh, we've been taking him to Lake Whatcom and he's been going swimming in the morning. Uh, adorable. He just kind of dives in there and chases after his ball and has to meet every single dog in the uh, at the dog park. But nonetheless, it's been very fun. Uh, I know that the summer's coming to an end, but this week I think actually it's supposed to be even in the 80s this week, which is, I don't think we've hit the 80s more than twice all summer. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be gorgeous. And granted, I love fall in Washington too, but I will, I'll miss the summer. I, I recently just had a, a lovely patient that sent me an email and at the end of her email, it said, August is the Sunday of summer, which it really is. It's like, you know, like the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll get some really nice weather into September uh, and then it'll probably start to turn a little bit, you know, uh, um, you know, probably mid-October into, you know, into November. But nonetheless, it's been a very, very fabulous summer here in Bellingham. So and we're not complaining because Washington isn't like the Midwest where you're originally from and grew up. So I'm, we're not complaining about, about the w- winter weather coming. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we'll take a little bit of rain. It's no problem. It's pretty easy. Uh, so on the last episode, we talked about PCOS uh, questions to ask your doctor. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about PCOS. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We're actually um, trying to do more frequency of our episodes. So you know, in this, uh, at least this one, we're going to do a five-part series on PCOS, making each section of the five-part series kind of like a standalone episode as opposed to trying to do one major, you know, one huge episode, which I think can still, for us, it gets to be a little daunting and people might not have time to listen to a two hour episode. So we're going to break it up into smaller little chunks. Uh, so this one's going to be actually just kind of d- discussing and talking about what is PCOS, at least what we think it is. The next one is going to be the diagnosis and testing of PCOS. And then the three, four, and five of this five part series is actually going to be the three different types, or at least the types that we've kind of come up with that we see most of the time. And for anyone that's out there that tr- that addresses, you know, practitioners that address PCOS, uh, you know, we would agree that there's definitely, there's not really a one size fits all or either you have it or you don't. There's definitely a spectrum to PCOS. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to try to get across on this series. Exactly. So the previous episode, uh, questions to ex- ask your doctor if you have PCOS, I loved it. I personally thought it was an awesome episode, but there was a lot to it. So that's why we wanted to kind of break it down a little bit so we could explain in a little bit better detail and not have to like, you know, chunk it into a 45 minute episode. Yeah, right. You know, whether you're in your car, if you're at the gym or whatever, you get to, you know, hear a, you know, granted, you might have to go through a couple of episodes to get, you know, all the little, uh, uh, the nuances, but if you only have a short amount of time, now you can, you know, consume that, uh, that information relatively quickly. Uh, so, 
Uh, I think we actually had to look this up, uh, and I knew it was like back in the 30s. So Stein Leventhal, uh, a couple of doctors from the 30s are the ones who first kind of identified the PCOS syndrome. And that was in like 1935, which you know, was a long time ago. So this has been a problem for, you know, for, you know, for quite a while, at least documented anyways. Uh, now, I know you came across some information recently. I don't know if it was on a blog or where it came across, but they were talking about um, whoever they are, maybe some endocrinology society or some gynecological society, mm -hmm. um, con contemplating changing the name of PCOS. Yeah, exactly. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So you think from the name, well, there should be a lot of cysts on or in the ovaries, where in reality, a lot of women with PCOS, in fact, the majority of women with PCOS don't have a bunch of cysts on their ovaries. So it's been a little bit probably improperly named. I mean, there are some that do, but the majority don't have cysts. But at the same time, everybody knows what PCOS is. So it's really hard to change the name because, but I do think it is like Dr. Mackey said, is it's a spectrum. Some women have all of the symptoms. Some women have some of the symptoms and some of the women have, you know, very little symptoms, but at the same time, those symptoms can really create a trouble with your quality of life. It can put you at certain risks for um, certain conditions. So that's why we wanted to kind of go into a five-part series so we can really break it down to be able to help people understand what PCOS is because really collectively it is a, you know, it really is a hormonal imbalance, you know, for women that create these symptoms. So looking into the hormones is really going to be able to help us sort of reverse engineer how we can help them. Yeah. And on the surface, you know, you call it polycystic ovarian syndrome. It seems like it is a, you know, a female hormone ov ovary problem. Um, but that is just really more of the uh, how it manifests. It's not really what causes it or where it comes from. Uh, and because it is a hormonal problem in, in you know by nature, the the problem tends to escalate or get worse over time, which again, which is where that spectrum comes from. So where someone might have started in their teens or 20s, by the time they're in their 30s or 40s, it is progressed or escalated in severity in a lot of cases. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of times women, they, you know, they tend to get missed. Uh, they, uh, they, if they don't have, let's say they've had, and we'll talk about diagnosis next time, but if they haven't had, uh, if they've gone through some of the conventional testing or even an ultrasound or something, there's no cyst there, well, then they don't have PCOS. Uh, and we don't think that that's actually you know, accurate. We see, as you said, we see lots of women that don't have histories of cysts um, at all, but they have all the other things that are going on. So what, what would you call that? If they don't have any cysts, then it can't really be PCOS. It could be something else. Uh, so why don't we run through the, the list of the hormones that are involved in, in PCOS? Exactly. Well, one of, one of, of course, one of the hallmarks with PCOS is having elevated androgens, and that would be testosterone or, or, and, or DHEA. And what we find is they might not be super elevated, but they might be high normal to just, you know, over the edge of normal to being really elevated. Everybody's a little bit different, but definitely anybody that's contemplating PCOS probably has something going on with their DHEA and or their testosterone. Yeah, and we'll talk, again, we'll talk more about the specifics of those on the next episode, um, but we test DHEA and testosterone on every menstruating woman, even ones that are no longer menstruating, whether through hysterectomy or menopause, we test them, pretty much every one, specifically for this reason. Um, because we are attuned to it, we are looking for it, we are trying to figure out if that's really what's going on or not, 
And when you look at those numbers, and especially when you've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, you start to be able to pick out some of those little uh, subtle details. And you do see with PCOS that uh, a lot of even doctors don't even look into is there are low to no progesterone levels. So like you'd mentioned, you know, hey, you know, PCOS may not be entirely a female hormone issue going on or a female hormone imbalance, but at the same time, that progesterone, which is a female hormone, is always low to none. Yeah, right. So of course, it's going to have, uh, you know, an impact on their cycle, an impact on ovulation. Therefore, that's where the fertility piece comes in. Uh, You know, so definitely uh, progesterone, maybe not, maybe low progesterone isn't the cause, but it certainly is being affected by those other hormones, uh, something that shows up, you know, quite routinely in in patients like this. Exactly. That's why it's you know, where we look at it more of a spectrum of hormonal imbalances that creates the symptoms. Like you'd mentioned about the cysts on the ovaries, the cysts on the ovaries aren't creating the problem. It's the hormonal imbalances could potentially, you know, create the cysts or, you know, further exacerbate them. Same with all the symptoms, which is why in PCOS, you, you know, the thyroid function almost, I would say, nine times out of 10 is lowered. It doesn't mean that they have a thyroid disease, but nine times out of 10, I would definitely say the thyroid function is lower in, in PCOS. Yeah. And especially too, again, we'll talk about this later, but especially too, if pregnancy or fertility is a challenge, making sure those thyroid numbers are optimized. A normal is not always normal when you're talking reference ranges for hormones, because, you know, it, you know, they could have normal numbers, but still have an issue. Uh, so again, that's where, where it gets very complicated. Uh, certainly something that I've talked a lot about uh, on the Dr. Rob show, I used to have that, you and I have talked about it in a few different ways, is elevated insulin. Uh, that's one of the kind of the triad hallmarks of PCOS is high, what they call hyperinsulinemia. Uh, and really, if you look at PCOS, really the root issue or the root cause of that problem in the first place is really insulin resistance. Uh, and the incidence of PCOS, which really is an insulin issue, or at least insulin plays a pretty big role in there, is about 10 to 15% of the population. Um, so if you take you know 15% of, and I think it's probably even more than that, uh, 15% of the you know, reproductive age female population of 100, 320 million people, that's millions of women that are dealing with this problem across the country. So I would say those are, you know, that's definitely some of the main hormones that are impacted when you're looking at PCOS, or maybe those hormones are impacting the symptoms for PCOS. Also too, you know, I mentioned um, DHEA, which DHEA comes from the adrenal glands. Also cortisol comes from the, from the adrenal glands and everybody has familiar and has heard about cortisol, but that also has an interplay with the insulin, which further exacerbates a lot of the PCOS symptoms. Yeah. And the way that we kind of think about that too, is if you have an insulin problem, you have a cortisol problem. If you have a cortisol problem, you have an insulin problem. And that, that vicious cycle goes around and around and around. And that's what causes the progression of a disease like this or diabetes or some of the other, you know, fatty liver disease. These are things that are you know, fairly similar in their origin, even though they all manifest a little bit differently. I'm sure that, you know, we'll talk about some of the the types here in a couple of episodes, um, but there's definitely a, I guarantee you, there's a connection between cortisol levels and the severity of their symptoms, right? People have. Well, like you were saying, you know, we're talking a little bit about the hormonal imbalances, but the big picture is really those symptoms. Like we had talked about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. If you don't have cysts on your ovaries, well then, you know, maybe you don't have PCOS and that definitely is not true. So we're going to go over the symptoms right now. And now 
I got to preface, not everybody has these symptoms. So you might have one symptom and that just means that's what we need to focus our goals on in treatment, or you might have all of the symptoms and anywhere in between. But like we had mentioned, the, the cysts on the ovaries, not a lot, it's, you know, it's common for us females to have a follicular cyst when you're, when you're, you know, when that eggs, those little eggs in the ovary are coming to fruition, and then you want to have the one mature ovum, those little follicles that are left behind sometimes can create these common or follicular cysts, which are totally normal. They get picked up on random ultrasounds and they go away. That has nothing to do with PCOS. When they're talking about people with PCOS that do have cysts, they're usually complicated cysts. So they stay on, on or in the ovary for for, you know, almost indefinitely. So that's one of the main symptoms that you'd see. You um, also see the period issues. I mean, you see periods all over the board when someone has PCOS. Yeah, right. Uh, especially, obviously, the, you know, the, the obvious one. If you haven't had a period for several months, uh, three months, four months, six months, longer, right? You can assume that, you know, something along the lines of PCOS is going on. Because as those androgens start to go up, it, it kind of interferes with the rise and fall of estrogen and progesterone. Uh, and now you're not, and in, in reality, if you're not cycling, if you're not menstruating, then you're clearly not ovulating. Uh, so if pregnancy, again, is part of that process. You need to be menstruating to be ovulating. Uh, you know, so that's why that hormonal uh, complication there, um, it, uh, that's one of, the, one of the things from a treatment perspective, uh, you know, as the practitioners, that's you know, what you and I are trying to restore is making sure that a regular cycle comes back at some point. Yeah, and I have women that get horrified when I tell them, oh no, we're going to get you getting regular periods because usually when they finally do have that one period out of, you know, after four months, they're, it's horrendous, it's awful, it's painful, they feel terrible, but, but that's the whole goal is to get it balanced so you have an, a, you know, a, an easier period every month to help with, like you mentioned about ovulation, because infertility is a huge symptom of PCOS. In fact, I think the one of the number one issues with infertility is caused by PCOS. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, conventionally, that's sometimes from a fertility perspective, they're not going to necessarily deal with the PCOS directly as they probably should. Um, so if fertility is one of your issues and you're contemplating some type of, you know, fertility intervention, you know, taking care of that PCOS is only going to make your um, success rate higher. Because uh, some of the fertility stuff, one, it can be really expensive and two, there's no guarantees. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can on your side uh, to, you know, to make sure you're going to have the uh, success that you want. Exactly. And then of course, probably the at the top of the list, along with um, you know ovulation or lack of, is the weight gain. Women with PCOS have very you know a, very a lot of trouble trying to lose weight, and it's so easy to gain. Yeah, right. And they're always uh, you know over the years uh, the, the women that are you know, of course everyone's trying to lose weight and trying to be you know in shape and slimmer and trimmer and you know uh, you know and a wide variety of. Uh, you know, different situations, but certainly the PCOS patients are really the ones that have the hardest time um, losing the weight. The weight might plateau, like it might, you know, kind of stop at a certain point. It doesn't just keep escalating, but no matter what they do, no matter how hard they exercise, no matter how little they eat, um, which we'll talk about that later, uh, their weight just doesn't budge or, or they might lose a pound or two, or they might keep losing the same couple of pounds and it just goes back and forth. 
uh, you know, that's where from a hormonal perspective, that's where it gets really complicated and the body just doesn't cooperate the way that you want it to. Exactly. I know. And it'd be different if you got to earn the weight gain, you know, you had a good time eating cake or whatnot, but you know, you have these frustrated women that are saying I'm exercising, I'm, you know, I'm eating vegan or I'm doing low carb or my, they're calorically restricting, which isn't a good idea. And frustratingly enough, they're gaining instead of losing. So that is a big issue that we want to get into with you with PCOS. Cause that is a probably, you know, at the top of the symptom list when women are saying, Hey, I need some help. Yeah, right. And 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 maybe the hardest one to, you know, the hardest one to actually solve that problem. Another one, of course, and this is sometimes maybe the first signs of that there's an issue, uh, certainly acne or blemish problems certainly can be uh, something that shows up uh, that, uh, you know, I when I was a teenager in high school, I had a terrible complexion. Uh, and this can happen to women that are even beyond high school, which when you're a teenager, okay, pimples and teenager years, it's almost like one of those rite of patches, rite of passages. It's just like maybe one of those expectations that are somewhat normal. But once you're beyond your tw- uh, teens and you're in your 20s and 30s, the last thing you want to be dealing with is teenage pimples. Uh, I mean, it's just no fun. And it's really, it really, you know, takes a toll on your on your confidence and your self-esteem and all those things. It really can be a, uh, a, uh, and for anyone that has ever had a blemish, uh, they'll, everyone will tell you one is too many, right? You know, you know, having none is, uh, is much nicer. Uh, and certainly with those hormones kind of running amok like that, it can make it really difficult on a, on a month by month basis. Well, I couldn't imagine you having an acne problem. Your skin is perfect. You don't even uh, have a freckle. <laughs> well, uh, I'll take, I, when I was 16, I would have taken freckles over pimples every, any day. Uh, cause it, uh, yeah. Cause why would you have the acne? You know, for these women, it's those higher levels of the testosterone and the DHEA. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, another thing that goes with that, um, certainly, uh, and again, these are all kind of, uh, wrapped together. They all come from that same, you know, hormonal situation, uh, high blood pressure for sure. Um, and especially in an atypical person. So if someone's in their twenties or thirties and they got high blood pressure, um, that just doesn't make any sense, right? A 30 year old, a 25 year old is not supposed to have hypertension, even borderline hypertension, uh, you know, 140 over 85, something like that, right? You know, that's, that's already got to raise a red flag and hypertension for the most part is an insulin problem. Uh, they might have, uh, again, we'll talk more about labs later on, but they might even have, it might even show up on cholesterol as having elevated mm-hmm. cholesterol. Or the cortisol's well. up and then the insulin goes up and then the blood pressure goes. So there's so many, so many avenues that we'll get into, but definitely high blood pressure in a young female. And like I mentioned before too, you might not, you might have PCOS and not have high blood pressure. That goes along too. You mm-hmm. know, not everybody has all the symptoms. Yeah, right. And yeah, these are not... Uh, Tech, uh, see, that's the thing. When it comes to medicine and diagnosis uh, and getting a diagnosis, uh, you know, the textbooks make it seem like it is just, you know, you know, like a checklist. Like if you have all these things, then it leads to an automatic diagnosis, but it doesn't work that way. Now, a lot of times you're, you know, as being a doctor, you're trying to do a little detective work and trying to figure out the, the puzzle or figure out the mystery because it's not always apparent. Uh, and when it comes to PCOS, this one tends to be awfully confusing because it doesn't always, that's why we're going to talk about the three different types, because it doesn't always manifest the way the textbooks uh, show up or what the conventional, uh, you know, situation or this conventional side of things tends to think what a, a true diagnosis is. And you do see irritability with PCOS. If those androgens are a little bit high normal over the edge of normal, um, you, you can feel, you know, feel like you're, 
um, what do they call it? A short fuse. Like your, your fuse is short. That's really common in PCOS is the irritability. Yeah. Uh, and that might be uh, you know, like a couple things. Like you said, there's an issue with the progesterone and you have these high androgens, um, testy maybe, you know, might be a <laughs> word to use because of the high testosterone. That might be a little cliche, but you know, certainly uh, there's going to be some mood issues there. Uh, the other two that might show up along with the acne is some hair growth, uh, especially in odd places for a woman. Certainly the chin uh, around the nipple area and below the belly button on the abdomen. Um, those are typical places where men usually grow hair and women don't really grow hair in those places. But we're much. all human. We do have hair. It just seems a little bit more excessive than it ought to be. I mean, we all might have a hair on our chin or something that you tweeze out, but when it feels like women are telling you like, I've got a lot on my jaw or, you know, or we might have a little, a hair or two around our areolas. That's normal too. But when it feels like, Hey, you know what, this is a little bit more than, than I would expect, you know, then, then that's, you know, that is one, one hallmark that you see with PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. And the, some of those things might be the first thing that and the period changes might be the first thing that start to show up, uh, you know, um, hair loss, of course, when those androgens are high. Yeah. It's so not fair. It falls out of your head and then grows on your face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, you lose it from where you want it and it grows where you don't want it, which is like, you know, a dirty trick or something the body plays on you. Um, but you're right. Uh, high DHEA or testosterone. So if you're supplementing with DHEA, the 25 milligrams or more, you know, or more, that's your, that's a male's dose. That is not a female's dose. Um, so if you are taking DHEA, cause someone said it was a good idea, Make sure you look at the dosage because the three things that those androgens will do from a cosmetic level is they will make you grow hair, they'll make you lose hair, and your skin will break out. Uh, so um, that's why in the in the you know at the local health food store you'll only find 25 milligrams. That's too much for a woman. We usually give anywhere from five to 10 milligrams. And we usually- If they need it. <laughs> if they need it well, based on blood testing. Because uh, some women, that's why we also test these, these hormones because sometimes looking at the woman or talking to them, you don't know whether their numbers are high or low. You can't tell really sometimes until you actually do the test. Uh, you sometimes, I don't know, this has happened to you. I know it's happened to me a lot. When you think the number is going to be elevated, it's really low. When you think the number is mm -hmm. going to be really, really low, it's actually high. So it doesn't, now granted, sometimes you can predict it pretty well, but mm -hmm. there's a few cases here and there that, you know, it's like, oh, it's almost the exact opposite of what I would expected it to be. And with PCOS, which is a little slight differentiation from thyroid, which is why you always want to check that thyroid function because that'll exacerbate hair loss. But with PCOS, you'll have more of the androgen-derived hair loss. So it'll be in the temples and the top of the head, where somebody with a thyroid issue or low-functioning thyroid, it's all over. It's coming out at the root. It's everywhere where... Like I said, that androgen derived, you can, I mean, I've had women that have tattooed, you know, you know, little areas on their temples because it makes it look darker or they have little powder that you can put on to, you know, cover up the, the scalp with, you know, with, with the part is because it seems like the part splitting apart, um, you know, with that hair loss. So definitely androgen derived as opposed to lower thyroid function would be all over. Yeah. So those are, and there's, this is not a comprehensive list, but this gives, you know, probably the most common, the ones that are seen most of the time that are going to show up at some point, whether you have cysts or not, we could probably come up with another, you know, another 15 different symptoms. But these um, are the common ones. Yeah, and are, I've had some women that'll have 
their skin, their testosterone will be high and their skin is flawless. It's beautiful. There's no acne, but they're irritable and they're gaining weight. It really, you know, is putting it together. You might have some of the symptoms, but you're not going to have all of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're hoping to get across from this series is that, you know, really the point is the take home message is that it's, you know, that it is you know, a little complicated. You have to kind of know what you're looking for um, really to understand it because it's not always, you might have cysts, but no high androgens. You might have high androgens, but no cysts. You know, how do you differentiate that? Uh, now, granted, sometimes the symptom profile, how it kind of manifests and shows up sometimes tells you all you need to know as opposed to the other diagnosis stuff we're going to talk about next time. So um, I think this, uh, I think this is a pretty good job of just, you know, discussing symptoms. what it is you know, in a very kind of down and dirty, kind of layman sort of way, uh, and the main, the most common symptoms. Now, in the next episode, we're going to go a little bit more deeper into detail on some of those hormones and some of the other, you know, you talked about thyroid, and certainly DHEA and testosterone. We'll talk about some reference ranges for those. And we're actually, we'll, you know, maybe we'll put together like a little on the show notes, we'll put together actually the reference ranges so that way you can download that and see, okay, this is what, you know, you can compare them to your own labs if you haven't had some of them run and you think you might have PCOS because you've looked at some other quizzes or checklists, now you actually have real-world um, reference ranges that you can compare your numbers to uh, to see if you you know actually have this problem or not. Exactly. So that way you can take the symptoms and then pair them with the objective data, which would be the labs. So the next episode, we'll talk all about lab testing or just testing in general to help with that diagnosis. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.